Hi, I'm Beck McFarland from Pop Your Business and Pop Your Career. In this podcast, I'll be speaking to entrepreneurs who have overcome adversity, made difficult decisions, challenged the status quo, and achieved amazing things in their businesses. Welcome to Brave in Business. Since graduating from the University of Canberra in 2007 with a Bachelor of Graphic Design, Trish Johnston has worked across a number of industries in both full-service and in-house design team environments. She started Oath and Stone in 2017. Artistic and analytical at heart, she gets to know you and your business in a way that allows her to make informed decisions that directly contribute to your success. Trish contributes to the Canberra design industry through mentoring and lecturing at the University of Canberra. Hey, Trish, welcome to Brave in Business. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Excellent. And I know just from having a look at your notes that there is a lot that we have to talk about and things that you've done that have been quite brave in your business. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited too. I just love what you've done on the podcast and talking about, I guess, these points that aren't as glamorous in business that, you know, being brave business, I think is one of the most thing it's a huge part of it it's you know going and doing things on your own and creating a life that you want and, and being brave or courageous is sort of at the heart of that so yeah I'm really excited to chat today and this is my first podcast so I'm excited to be here with you today very cool. You're definitely in safe hands. And I love what you just said about bravery not being glamorous. I do agree with you. It's um beautiful and messy and delicious, but uh, definitely not glamorous most of the time anyway. Uh, so for the listeners who don't know you, I would love for you to start by just telling us a little bit about your business and how you got to where you are today. Awesome. So Oakenstone is a graphic design studio based in Canberra and we support small and medium-sized businesses in their graphic design and marketing. We do have a couple of bigger players on the board, but the typical client that we have in, in the studio, they have a footprint of sort of between one and 20 team members and mostly Canberra-based, but we do work a little bit with uh, interstate clients as well. Fantastic. And I've got to say, since the moment that I met you, which I think was quite a few years ago now at a Business Chicks event, um, I have just been in love with your branding. And I actually quite often send people over to your Instagram to take a look. So gorgeous. Because we rebranded earlier in the year too. Oh, really? Um, We've been in business for five years now and it got to the point where – I don't think there was anything particularly wrong with that branding, but I just felt that it didn't reflect. Probably when I first met you at Business Chicks, I I remember that um, the business has evolved, and I thought it was time to uh, to reflect that in the branding. So earlier in February, we engaged some friends over at another studio and said, "You know, we can't do this on our own. We're too close to it. You need to reflect it back to us." And we're really happy with, I guess, this new. This year, we've really embraced kind of a, a new mentality around our identity and, and what we're capable of, and it's really exciting. So, 
um, thank you for sending people to my Instagram. That's great. Yeah, well, it sounds as though I need to get across there and actually uh, have a little refresher. Um, I'm not the uh, not the queen of Instagram at all. Uh, I do try. I go through phases, but most of the time I just find it very, very overwhelming. Um, but I'm sure that whatever you have come up with, they'll be absolutely glorious. Because as I say, I mean, the, your your old branding now is um, just purely delightful. Thank you. I wonder if you could maybe expand a little bit more on what it was actually like to outsource your branding to someone else when that's like your your whole business that's kind of the thing that you usually do right I know it was um I think it's interesting because I so we went to new best friends uh they're another graphic design studio in Canberra and they um wonderful ladies over there and we I've known them for a while and and it it was interesting being on the other side like on the client side of um the branding process is something we do literally every day. You know, we ask ourselves, are we in line with the client's brand? Are we, are we being true to it? I'm speaking in the right voice. And I went to the the girls up there and, and I said, I'm really confused because there's, you know, I guess there's Trish the person and then Trish the graphic designer or Oath and Stone the brand. Mm. Um, you know, Trish the person, I, I love um, – the perfection of just a, a white and blue Donna Hay cake plate. Mm-hmm. And I, but I also love neon clients and I love being loud, but I'm also an introvert. So how does that, it seems like it's not very, um, you know, how how, do, how can one person or one business be both and mm-hmm. how can we be meticulous in design but also want to say what everyone's thinking? And they were just able to distill that into um, I guess a, a grown-up version of the brand that we've been using and evolved it and doing things that I never would have thought of and uh, reflecting that back to us. So it was a really great experience because they could see things that I couldn't mm. and by the time I showed it around to a couple of clients, they went, yes, they've nailed it. So, yeah. But it was very, uh, it was a very vulnerable experience, but I'm really glad we did it because we never would have come up with what they did, um, and it's it's just it's working so far. So yeah. we love it. I love we love our new look. We love our direction, and we love the work that we're doing. So it's, um, but yeah, it was um, sort of like when I was a personal trainer and working fitness. I had a personal trainer as well. Yeah, and everyone was like, oh, "Can't you just train yourself?" And I'm like, "No, oh, I just." I sort of want to switch off and just be told what to do. Mm. Uh, you know, I want someone else to sort of tell me what I need, but only in that situation. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. A trainer, having a trainer, I guess, or a business coach needing a business coach. And that's what I was thinking. I mean, you know, I, I do business coaching as part of popular business, but I also have my own business coach and have had for many years, so probably won't be without one. Uh, I really do find it really valuable, but I think, you know, what you're sharing today already, you know, we're only minutes into this podcast and already I feel like there's been such a lesson for me that I have absolutely heard before and I may need to hear again, um, but around some of that 
ability to let go of control. And recently, my OBM, Brie Boucher, who's been on the podcast before, um, she had a sales page designed for one of her programs. And I remember when she told me that she was going to do that, and I sort of went, oh, I could never, you know, I could never, ever outsource my sales page design because only I can do that. And then, you know, she kind of nodded her head at me in frustration, as she often does. But um, when her sales page came back, it was absolutely exquisite. And I know I said to her, well, maybe there is something to this, you know. And so I guess hearing a similar experience from you, it makes me wonder whether this might be like an area where I need to kind of step up in the bravery department and really maybe let go and and see the way that my brand or what I'm trying to achieve could actually be perceived by somebody else. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I find it very, very hard. Mm. In my personal and my business life, I find it very hard. Uh, you um, almost let someone take care of me. Yeah. And I'll just, you know, do it myself or it'd be quicker if I just do it. Um, but it did get to a point uh, where I was just drowning in the business. I just couldn't. Um, I was doing so many 1% things that were adding up to 50% of my day that I just, I, I couldn't physically, mentally couldn't get things done. So that's when... Um, Carly, my EA, she was my first hire and and she just proved herself to be so reliable and so proficient at her craft and and to uh, I find myself sometimes like, oh, I'll just do this and this. She's like, I can do that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so I have to sort of take a breath and actually go, well, is this principle dependent? Because there were so many non-principle dependencies in my business that it was really scary. Like the first couple of months, I was oh, someone like, you know, help. this is my baby, and this is yeah, my that's my reputation, and oh, I'll just do it myself. Um, but now I'm like, what can I give to Carl? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Give to L, and it's almost like a little challenge I give myself to be like, oh, what's the least amount of stuff I can do that Carl can take yeah. on? Um, but I do, I do find it very hard and. And even in my personal life, I find my, um, uh, like if a girlfriend says, I've booked us a table at 7.30, we're having noodles, I'll see you there. I'm like, oh, I just feel so nurtured. And, mm. I just, and so I'm like, I've made a booking or, um, oh, you said you liked this, so I've ordered you one as well. Or if someone just orders for the table, oh, it's, it's just like my love language. Yeah. I feel so nurtured because I'm um, taking care of me, you know, I don't have to make a decision, I think. But um, I do find it my first, uh, I guess, tendency is, oh, I don't want to bother you. I'll just do it myself. Yeah. I, I found it was a point where I either stay where I am in business and I literally have only got a certain amount of hours in the day and I will only ever achieve this much or I can automate X, Y, Z. I can bring someone into the fold. Bring two people into the fold, and 
let's see what the possibilities are. But it's a very uncomfortable space for me, so I would not, I haven't got all the answers. Mm. Well, you're definitely speaking my language with the automation and the outsourcing. That's definitely my jam and the space that I love to hang out. And I find that I am getting a lot better at some of that more day-to-day like surface level kind of delegating and 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 I guess more so than delegating like asking for help but I do think that sometimes with some of those big bigger projects like you know creative when it is so tied to the identity of the business or as you say your reputation um, I think that's where I find those most like prickly edges where it's like, oh, and then the questions kind of come in of of thinking like, why? You know, like why would I, you know, I've I've personally, to use branding as an example, I've done the branding of all of my businesses myself and I've never hired anybody else to do that and the thought of it absolutely just like frightens me but I think as well today after hearing what you've shared there is also this like little bit of excitement peeping through thinking like yeah so I know how I would do it but I've never actually thought about how somebody else would do it or what somebody else might be able to like you say like push some of those boundaries and do something the way that you would never have thought of doing it yourself. And it's a lot in the work that we do, um, I guess, being on the other side, on the, I guess, the, the designer side, a lot of our clients say, it's not what I would have picked, but you've, you've captured me so well. Yeah. My good friend Bree was briefing me on her personal brand. Uh, she'd just left the Canberra Times and she was, looking for, I guess, a brand that she could put forward as a copywriter and a journalist. And, and I said to her, what colour do you, um, you know, what colour do you love? Like, you love purple and pastels. And she said, if I, if you cut me open, I'd leave glitter. Yes. That's just, it was so her. And I had that in the back of my mind. It wasn't a very conventional way of briefing me. Yeah. Um, but it got to the point where when I presented the first concepts to her, it, you know, it was unicorns and rainbows and glitter, but it was still a very authentic professional version of that. Yeah. But she just, she said, I don't know how you took that and turned it into a logo. And I don't know how, um, like, you just see me, you see who I am and you see the energy I'm putting out of the world and you uh, captured that. And it wasn't until a good friend of mine, a client said to me, how do you take the half-baked ideas that I give you? Mm. It's these weird briefs about whether it's glitter or, you know, um, I want uh, um, this this movie crossed with this colour, crossed with this brand of car, but also I want it to be fun. She's like, I just, some of the briefs I give you were horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until then that I realised that that's my special power. I just... Um, so cool. I start seeing colours and fonts. You know, I've already designed it in my head as you're telling me. So when Bree said that if you cut her open, she'd bleed glitter, I just, from that moment, I knew exactly what it was going to look like. Yeah. 
But I guess the the thing that really resonated with me was the fact that she said, you just see me. This is who I am and you've captured Mm -hmm. that. And I I don't think she could have done that herself. And it takes someone else to reflect that back to you and and reflect what they admire about you, uh, their relationship with you as well. So it is a vulnerable place to be in and so I had absolute, I went through a roller coaster of emotions uh, with Jacinta who was branding us. But in the end, I just went, no, it, this isn't the fact that, so I wasn't sure if I liked it in the beginning. She sent the logos and I was like, oh, this is really different to what I would have done. And I realized it wasn't that I didn't like it. It's just that I didn't do it. Yes. And it was this um, uh, almost battle against wall. Like, is that me? And does she really know me? And I was like, no, it's just this uncomfortable space that I had never been in before. And then I just handed myself over to it and it's, we've never looked better. So, um, but yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. I love it though. I love it. I'm like, I'm already in my mind. I'm like, oh, I'm just buzzing. So, so cool. And what an incredible skill as well. Like what you've just shared about, you know, you just see me. Like, I, I can't think of a better compliment that a client could give you. It's just amazing. I do feel really that's the, um, when they say that or you've nailed it, yeah. that's what I get up and go to work for. That's That just makes me, yeah, that's that's what I work towards. That's what makes me happy. So, so great. So you've shared, I guess, one really brave thing already that you've done in business, which, you know, as we've talked about, like outsourcing your own branding, that's super cool. I'd love to just know, like, when you hear that phrase, brave in business, what does that mean to you? Well, like any good designer, I'm going to take your brace and I'm going to change it. (laughs) (laughs) Not change it, but I I wonder whether I could uh, swap the word bravery, so courage please because I think that courage is not uh the absence of fear Mm. acting in spite of it yeah never met anyone who was not scared of anything we're either we're scared of losing a family member or scared of heights or in my case I'm scared of people dressed in costumes movie world like it's just Mm. or moths you know and we're all scared of something but we um you know we get in the elevator or we take our kids to movie world or uh, you know we we act in spite of it and I think in all the times that I've been called to be brave or courageous in business or in life it's not that I wasn't scared it was the fact that I I did it anyway Mm. and it worked out for the best so I think um, there have been times where I've had to be, I've had to be brave, but um, I think courage is a word that resonates better with me because it reminds me that, um, I think there's a, one of my favourite quotes is, courage doesn't always roar. It's a quiet voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. Mm. And for me, it's like, well, you know what? Today was a write-off. Today wasn't a great day. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I didn't tackle that as well as I could be. I could have. But, you know, what? tomorrow's a new day and tomorrow I'm going to try again instead of giving up. So I think um, 
yeah, courage is a word that really resonates with me, but um, there have been times where I've had to be really, um, you know, leaving jobs with nowhere to go, but I always had a plan. I never left a job without some sort of structure to, you know, I knew I could support myself for two or three months while I'm there. Uh, and I, I think to be successful or successful in my, as my personal definition of success, I've had to get really good at quitting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a pretty good quitter, <laughs> but I've always got a plan to go along with the quitting. Um, and I think that we quitting is sometimes disguised as failure because I think that we don't quit enough. Yeah. We hold on to these things because we're supposed to be brave and courageous and I'm going to persevere and I'm going to um, keep flogging this idea until, you know, because it has to work. But, you know, if you're playing the violin and you're better suited to the clarinet, quitting the violin could be the best thing you ever do. um, I think that we, there's this sort of mentality around, you know, don't be a quitter and you've got to be brave and you've got to um, power on through, but, you know, the amount of jobs I've quit and it's been the best thing that I've ever done. It's quite interesting and I wonder whether it's actually part of your, um, you know, personality or behavioural profile. Uh, One of the things that I do in my business is that I talk a lot about DISC behavioural profiling and I'm really interested in human behaviour and why we do things and how it all kind of packages us together as these individuals that we are. And I think in your bio, you mentioned that you are both analytical and creative. And I think that almost what you're describing here is like there is that analytical part of you that's like got the plan and that, you know, knows that there is a logical way of moving through this, whereas then you've got the creative part of you that kind of goes, don't worry about it. Like, it's okay. Like, I I will find a way. I will create, experiment, innovate, you know, do whatever I need to do in order to make sure that we're okay. I think that's spot on. My husband, Lackey, he describes me as a calculated risk taker. Yeah. I said to him, like, oh, I just, you know, I go with the flow and I'm so easy breezy. He's like, you are, <laughs> I'm, you know, on Instagram, we're like, I'm happy to go with the flow, but what time does the flow start? Yes. <laughs> when I left, I was working as a, a designer in an agency and I just, just wasn't happy. It just wasn't, I was burning out big time and I, I needed to leave for my health. I just, I wanted to try new things. That's what I, um, I studied in the fitness industry and I had a bit of a break and just creatively I was burning out. Mm. Um, and the weekend before I resigned, I went to a coffee shop and I sat down and I wrote a list of all my expenses of how much I had in the bank and I knew I could support myself for three months while I studied and I made a list of all the parameters and the, the structure and the safety net that I had even though I was run the safety net out the window with a full-time job. Um, but it wasn't until then that I went, you know what, actually this can work. And now yeah. I have uh, the easy breezy part can happen where I can I can leave my job because it's never just as simple as leaving a job. It's 
Um, in every job that I've done, I've, I've had an exit strategy. But then once I have that and once I've made up my mind, I do it very quickly. So I think you're right. It's, um, it's like when you go on holiday. For me, um, we, say we're going to a place we've never been before, I'll research about the town and what they're, what's there to do and what's the transport like. And, you know, if we're going overseas, you know, where are the hotspots to visit and where shouldn't we go and everything. Mm. And then I can wing it from there. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I know what uh, the possibilities are. And, you know, we could do one of five things on any given day, but at least I know what those five things are. So yeah. balance it. Okay. Yeah. It's a beautiful blend. It yeah. kind of gives you the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. It's um, it's sort of like I mentioned to you before, I'm 39 weeks pregnant and I'm um, excited for baby to hopefully come next week. But what I've worked out is I guess the the anxiety that I've had in the past and the anxiety that I uh, now manage on a daily basis to a lesser extent uh, or just general stress in the business Um it's actually what has protected me yeah. for a long time. And and it might sound strange, but I guess how I've, I've resolved myself that, you know, in the next week I'm going to have to do something really hard, mm-hmm. something that I've never done before. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be two to three days of my life and there is an epic sight and there's a prize at the end of it, which is yeah. But I have imagined every single scenario mm-hmm. of what happens <laughs> from being in the hospital and having aromatherapy and, <laughs> and um, you know, a gentle banter with the midwives and, you know, and a, <laughs> the most beautiful, swift, pain-free birth. On the other end of the spectrum, I've also imagined the Crace IGA where I, you know, my waters break in the aisle and I befriend the 15-year-old checkout chick and we're forever bonded for life because of this experience we've had. And everyone in the supermarket cheers when the baby. <laughs> like, the most horrendous situation you could be in. I've imagined that. So on a scale from like worst-case scenario to best-case scenario, I've, I've imagined that and I've prepared myself for it. And now I can sit back and see what the universe is going to offer me. <laughs> So it's, but that protection that anxiety um, brings for me, I've actually, it, I've realised it's my superpower that in the times where I am stressed or I have a deadline or I need to problem solve and I need to get creative, um, the old noggin thinks about, well, you could do this, 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 and any one of those scenarios could work. So now I go and implement it. Oh, it's I've actually turned it into something that instead of working against it, I realised that it actually works very well for me in terms of organisation and um, protection almost. Yeah. Oh, juicy. So I've got three things I want to say to you. The first is, oh, my God, I love you. I love all of your scenarios. I just think it's absolutely magical and I can relate so much. Um, secondly, I really hope that you get your beautiful aromatherapy <laughs> I'm really vibing that thing. <laughs> and, um, and third is that 
you know, we haven't really spoken about anxiety here on the podcast before in relation to bravery. And I think what you've just brought up is really, really interesting. I, um, you know, I have anxiety myself. I've always been quite an anxious person. And I guess I've, I've understood particularly like from that logical perspective that my anxiety is there to try and protect me and that, you know, it's my lizard brain and all of these kinds of things. Uh, but I've never really thought about it in the way that, that you've just described it. And it's something that I'm definitely going to reflect on after this episode because you're absolutely right. You know, when you do have that anxious brain and you are going through all of the scenarios, there is that element of like feeling like you're prepared for anything because you've already kind of, you know, gone down all of the rabbit holes to see what the risks are. And and by the time you do that, I think there is a level of acceptance that you get to where you kind of go, yeah, okay. And, um, you know, I'm not sure whether I've actually spoken about it uh, on the podcast before, uh, but there is a book called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And it's something that, you know, I, to be honest, I haven't even read the whole book. Um, I read, I read the parts that mattered and it shared, uh, a kind of process that you can go through, which is actually like kind of forcing yourself down those rabbit holes to say like, what would be the worst case scenario? Because, you know, for, for most of us who live the, the privileged lives that we live, whatever risks that we're planning on taking are not going to end up with us you know, dead or living in a cardboard box on the side of the road. So it's almost like whatever else you throw at me, like it's going to be okay because because it has to be, right? <laughs> the amount of times, it's hard for people to understand, I guess, the the wiring of, of both our brains. Where yeah. I guess people would go, well, why would you put yourself through all that unnecessary thought that thought pattern that goes to worst case scenario goes to, um, you know, just just turn up and see how it goes. And, I, and, and it's hard for, I guess, people who haven't experienced anxious moments in their life to, to understand, I guess, why our brains work that way. Yeah. Um, and how we've switched it in the last probably five, five years, especially having run the business, but someone said, well, Yes, well, I said, you know, what's the what's the worst that could happen? And then they go, yeah, but what's the best that could happen? Yeah. So if we're going to imagine this rabbit hole of horrible things happening to happening to us, so we're uh, we're ready for that, then what about being ready for the awesome stuff that's going to come too? And my husband said to me, you know, I was about to leave my job and uh, the last job that I had. At, and I said, what if it doesn't work? Like, what, yeah. what if it, like, what if people laugh at me? And what if people, you know, think I'm silly? And what if it doesn't work? And he goes, we just get a job. Yeah. Like, very employable. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have other skills. Like, and, um, you know, my mind goes to, oh, I guess I could deliver pizzas or I could work at the club. It's mine as well. <laughs> 
But you could just walk back into a job that you like the one you just had. You might not be as happy, but like don't, don't go to deliver it. There's nothing wrong with delivering pizzas, but it was like you could go and work in an office again. Like yeah, university educated. You're very like you're you're smart. You're cluey. Like worst case scenario, you get a job. And I was like, oh yeah, forgot it. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing how we forget that one, right? Yeah, and I think um because my husband and I uh, so Lucky ran a business. So when we first met, uh, he was running. Uh, he's a real estate photographer. He was running a, a business, and then we got together, and um, I was working in the fitness industry, and then we both went into around the time we got married, we went into full time jobs and we were employed by other people. And that was really good at the time because it gave us some stability around buying a house, going on a honeymoon, having to leave. So we had a bit of a break of, you know, we were employed by people. But then we just got these itchy feet. And I think we're similar in the way, like our entrepreneurial um, destinies, I guess. And I resigned from my job. And then two, uh, two weeks later, he resigned from his. So yeah, a lot of our friends were like, you mean you don't you quit? What? Mm. We're like, it'll be fine. Don't worry. But that's not to say that my mind didn't go from where I'm sitting right now to homeless in three steps. Yeah. Single day. You know, I'm, I'm, people are going to laugh at me and I won't get any work and then I won't have any money and then we can't pay the mortgage and then we're going to be homeless. Mm. Well, we got to homeless really quickly, right? Yeah. <laughs> you realize that there are actually like a few more steps involved and that probably someone that you know would let you sleep on their couch before yeah. it got to a point where you are living in a cardboard box. Right? Yeah. You know. I appreciate you say that because in my homeless vision, we are in a cardboard box on the curb. Like it's not couch surfing, it's not in a hotel, it's on the curb. Mm-hmm. And I just go, how did I get there so quickly? Yeah. <laughs> it would take six months for us to get to from business to home. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. So with that in mind, I guess, you know, and we've, I've spoken to a few people here on the podcast who have had full-time jobs and then they've gone into business and, you know, I'm, I'm the same. Um, Was starting your business, like, is that the bravest thing that you've done in business so far? Or is there something else that you'd like to tell us about? I think ultimately it is, um, I think I've left a few jobs that just weren't serving me at the time. And I think mm. recognizing that you're in a situation that you either you weren't happy or the job's not getting you to where you want to be, or I guess you don't, your values don't align with where you're working. And there've been a couple of times where I've just gone, you know what? Um, again, with my safety net and my spreadsheet and my list. <laughs> made the decision to leave and it's all worked out for the best. Um, but I think, yeah, starting the business, I, I started the business a year before I left my full-time job and I just mm-hmm. went after hours in my lunch break. Um, and so I've been, the business has been around for five years, but it's been four years full-time. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was about a year before I actually went, you know what, I've got enough saved in the bank. I have a plan. 
Um, I've got a, a few great clients that I know I've got a lot in the pipeline and I'm ready to make the leap. And I think at that point, you know, we had a mortgage <laughs> and my expenses that add a lot more accountability to, you know, so when you're in your early 20s, you just got to make sure you make rent every week. Um, uh, so I think, yeah, leave it, but it felt right. And mm. it felt, I, I never really felt like no matter where I was, if, if I got to a point where I went, no, like my time's coming to an end here, I never really felt like I fit in. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started the business and I started meeting people like you and Grace and a lot of my other small business owner friends, I went, oh, I could just click. Like, this yeah. is where it meant to be. And this is the table, you know, this is a lunch table I'm meant to be sitting at with these people. And mm. I mean, I, it was, no matter how scared I was, I knew. It was the right decision. Um, and even a like worst day where it's been stressful or, uh, you know, there's been a complaint or, you know, the worst day in business, I still never, my mind never goes to, well, I'll just get a job. Yeah. Always like, no, I can persist with this or how can I change this and how can I um, do this better tomorrow? I never go to, oh, well, I'll just throw it in. It. Oh my God, you're better than me. My uh, my standard is I'm on seek. I'm gonna give it to us. It's unreal, unreal. Um, so before we start talking about, I guess the in inverted commas failures or those less than glamorous parts, um, I did just want to ask you about a little brave thing that you have done outside of business. Uh, I see that you've done a bodybuilding competition. I did. Can you believe it? <laughs> I am really, really intrigued because I know how much just incredible discipline and work goes into crafting a physique. So I was working in, I was working as a personal trainer. Um, I was in the fitness industry and a lot of people around me had done it, and I always yeah. was never really my thing. I was more of a yoga stretching kind of gal, yeah. and never a run about PT type person. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just one day, I, I just, I think it's these points in my life where I just go, I'm up for the next challenge. Yeah. And I sort of describe it, I describe it to a friend of when it was about having a baby becoming a mum and I said, I feel like I've been standing in a perfectly acceptable warm shower for a really long time and the warm shower will get you clean and you'll feel okay but sometimes you just crave like a piping hot shower, like scalding yeah. shower that you get out and be like, oh, that was a good shower. And I said, I, I just feel like I need another goal or I need, I'm ready for the next big thing. I've got itchy feet. And that was a point as well where I went, well, I've been cruising for a little bit, you know. I want to ex I want to experience what my clients experience. When when I say, right, we we're losing two kilos, that's our goal. Mm-hmm. And then you tell me you're struggling with it. I've never had to lose weight. Yeah. Like it's never been a, a you know, I might have wanted to, but I've never been told I've had to or I have to for my health or uh, you know, a disease or, or anything. So I thought, you know what, I want to experience this and 
and see how challenging it is. And also just do something that I've never done before. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm vegetarian and I thought I'm going to do this. Part of me wanted to prove people wrong. I think that's um, the person I'm most competitive with is myself. I don't Mm -hmm. care what everyone else is doing. If I can do better than I did yesterday, then that really lights my fire. Have we seen those TikToks about my toxic trait? Oh, no. Yeah, that one's made for you, honey. (laughs) My toxic trait is I can't stop competing with myself. (laughs) And I think that um, when someone tells me I can't do something, Mm. I don't do it. I don't do the opposite to prove them wrong. I do the opposite to prove to myself that I should never uh, listen to them in the first place. Yeah. So uh, I thought I'm going to, when everyone around me was having, you know, grilled chicken and broccoli and steak and everything, uh, you know, I thought I'm going to do things differently and I'm going to do this vegetarian as, um, or and by the end I was pretty much vegan and I'm going to do it as naturally as possible. I'm not going to have um, just a, as least amount of supplements as I can or what I can do it as much as I can for my food. And I want to show that you can get a result from, say, a plant-based diet or a, um, rather than going that traditional, you know, eating 10 eggs a day, grilled chicken and broccoli and everything. I thought, mm. I'm going to do, um, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it on my terms and I'll give it a go. And um, I'm really glad I did it. I've, I won't do it again. But... um it's a memory that I have now. It took discipline. It was six months of my life that um, I'd be sitting at the pub with a black coffee and everyone around. <laughs> you know, I sacrificed a lot, but, you know, I proved to myself that I could do it. Yeah. And I've got some pictures to prove it and I ticked it off my list. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really scary because I realised I had to get up on stage and Prints around in a tiny little bikini yeah. with eight inch heels or whatever they were. And that was, that scared me more than anything. I was like, oh my Lord, people are going to see my bum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, you. I mean, like I say, I, I actually um, used to have a team member who had done, done that as well. And like just the the amount of discipline and everything. Like I I really commend you. I think it's absolutely amazing. Um, so in terms of I guess switching back to business and and Eisenstone and everything that has been going on since you originally launched, I'm interested to know about those things that haven't gone to plan. So so many people that I talk to you know, really see that link between bravery or courage and fear. And most of the time our fear is fear of failure. I'd just love to know, um, what have you done in your business that hasn't gone the way that you wanted it to? And how did you overcome it? I think um, I'm very, uh, I'm not very comfortable in uh a space that shows my weaknesses. So that saying of, you know, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, mm. it is not my thing. I will <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> ruminate on something for a few more days to make sure that, I guess, um, 
we're not showing weaknesses or, you know, by the time it gets to, I guess, a public forum that it's polished. And to my own detriment sometimes, you know, and I I could just, uh, you know, let it go out at 90% or 85% and it would still be, you know, I'm the only one that will notice that 15%. So I this is a really challenging area for me. And I think that... Um, it, there's no, I mean, it's not to say that I'm failure-free, mm. but I just find that I, I do ruminate on things to a point where I always fail before it, you know, I've, I've already failed a couple of times before mm. the end product comes out. Um, I think there are times where I've ignored my intuition, I think, mm-hmm. Um, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a failure, but it was definitely a lesson learned. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably um, uh, for myself a, a better way of saying it because I, I don't think that, um, you know, failure is a, a bad thing. You know, yeah. If you send five rockets up in the sky and four of them crash, but number five is good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, you have technically failed but the lessons you've learned from those four rockets have helped number five so I, I guess if I can spin that to lessons learned mm. um, there was probably in year two of the business I was doing some work for a client who didn't end up paying me and it was about, mm. oh, by the end it was about eight or nine grand so it wasn't anything to sort of blink at and there were probably a lot of red flags that at the time I didn't didn't feel quite right but it was new in business. Mm. Um, I thought, oh, no, I'll be all right. No, she hasn't paid me, but I'll just keep working for it. You know, just little things like that and, and sort of um, a bit of gaslighting in the background. And, and, and I realised now that we got to the point where I had to, um, it took about six months, but I had to go to court with it and recover the, the debt. And it was a really stressful, it was one of those like, hands down, the most stressful thing that's ever happened to me in my business. Oh. Like, and I think that it was not only me being new in business, but also ignoring things that, like, my intuition was quite strongly like, hello, that's not, oh. like, you know, that's not right, and I'd just make excuses for it. And I think that what I learned from that was... The person that I, I guess I was dealing with was challenging the values that I had built my business on. And at the very crux of that is honesty and integrity. And yeah. they were challenging those values. And it hurt because I thought, well, you know, I, I work so hard to to be honest in my words and integ- um, have integrity in my actions and you haven't been that way with me. And it was also stamping up for um, the work that I'd done and not being pushed around as a small business owner. And, um, you know, it was happening to a lot of people around me. And I, I think the lessons learned on that was it's worth standing up. Yeah. Or really worth standing up for. It was by the end of it, it wasn't about the money. It was the fact that, you know, she'd made a promise to me and she'd lied to me and, and I was standing up for what I was owed, but it was also a lesson in listening to my intuition and my gut. 
those red flags, which have since come up with other in other scenarios. Mm. But I'll never be in that situation again where I'm so deep in it and so emotionally and financially invested that I haven't caught it early. Mm. So again, I wouldn't I guess I wouldn't call it a failure because I think failure is a good thing. Yeah. But definitely lessons learned. Um and I've and a couple of times that yes, it has come up. Um I guess those red flags would be, you know, we'll get an inquiry and it's your classic, like, we don't have a lot of money and we needed it yesterday. And you're like, mm. mm. <laughs> like uh, you're uh, you're not the client for us. And I think um we've since then I've worked really hard with my team to attract the people who are on our side, are on our team, uh, are a really good fit for the studio. And it's a collaborative effort rather than I will pay you the money and you will give me the designs. Like it's that yeah. kind of. So the lessons learned from that was that relationships are really important to me. Uh, and, um, if you say you're going to do something and you shake my hand, that's that's the, the biggest thing that you can, you know, your integrity on that's really important. So um, I guess to, I mean, there have been lots of little failures along the way. I mean, uh, you know, this the way that I speak or even phrases that I use or um, I don't ways that we communicate with clients. Everyone's got their own communication style. You know, those micro failures with like, okay, well, you're better on the phone than email. Yeah. That word doesn't quite make sense to use. So I'll use another word. So those little things. But in saying that, I'm very, I've already failed. Yeah. Three times before you even hear about it because I've, I I, don't feel comfortable letting people see my weaknesses, I guess. It's, uh, mm. um, but I hope that answers your question, but yeah. It does. And look, I mean, this question is a little bit cheeky. So uh, I'm a neuro-linguistic programming master practitioner and one of the presuppositions of NLP is actually that there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. and I love throwing that one around. It's probably the only one of the presuppositions I actually remember. Um, and I've repeated it so many times in my household that now my husband parrots it back to me as well. But I do think that it is so powerful when we are able to, you know, really look at the lessons and and what we've learned. And just through what you've shared, I guess the the kind of standout points in the story to me are really around your values. So business values and career values are something that I could literally bang on about all day because I just think it's so important to really understand what it is that you stand for so that when you come to these moments, you can make really aligned decisions that are made with judgment and your own best interests at heart. Um, so I think, you know, more power to you for, you know, being in a position where you understood what your values were and that this particular client was rubbing your values the wrong way. Uh, I think good on you for chasing her down and, you know, taking her to court because I see so many people who end up just deciding to let it go 
And I mean, look, we all have our own reasons for doing things. And I understand that sometimes people don't have the energy or the money or the, you know, willpower or the discipline that's required to kind of go through and and fight something to the end. But, you know, it it does always kind of grind my gears a bit, I guess, when I think about these people out there who are effectively being told through our own inaction that their behavior is appropriate or acceptable and that, you know, it takes somebody strong like yourself to actually stand up and say, actually, hell no, um, you are not going to get away with this. Um, the the red flags that you've talked about, we've, uh, we've, We've talked on, on the podcast a little bit about this. I know that we talked about red flags in Angie Rassi's episode, uh, and I do think that it's it's something that as a business owner I'm trying to really get better at around, you know, like listening, <laughs> hearing when when the intuition is actually screaming and and then responding in kind. Uh, so I think, you know, everything that you've shared, you know, I, I can really relate to it. And I'm sure that the people listening will be able to find some lessons in that as well. So thank you so much for sharing that experience. I guess there's one thing that I would love to challenge you on, if you don't mind, um, and that is the last thing that you said around the fact that, you know, because you aren't comfortable sharing your weaknesses or having other people see what's really going on behind the curtain, you've often failed a few times before we get to see it, you know, us out here in the general public. I wonder how things could be different for you and your business if you did allow yourself to fail in a different way. Mm. I appreciate that. I appreciate the challenge because it's always something that I admire in other people where I go, oh, I I could never... um, like even, you know, on social media and, and, and things, I go, oh, I could never be that um, vulnerable or I could never show that side of me. That's not mm-hmm. to say that I'm lying about who I am or I'm not. Yeah. I just do it in a very different way. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I guess I'm more private about my vulnerabilities and and, uh, and I, I don't like seeing people, uh, people seeing when I haven't got it together. Yeah. In the same way that I don't want my clients to to see that I I'm not organised or I'm not no. they're paying me money to sort things for them and to think through problems and and I don't want them to think that they've made a mistake by um, engaging my help to do that. But I do um, I do know that I. Uh, I I'm better at it now, but I used to sort of get caught up in the details and it, it can't go out until it's perfect and it can't do this and it can't do that. So I've, I have gotten better at that, but I know there's a long way for me to go. And it's also finding my own style of what that is. Yeah. And I talk about it a lot with Grace Costa and she goes, oh, I'm just 
just you've got so much to share. Just let people yeah. feed that side of you. And I said, well, it's um, I've got to find what that definition is for me. Yeah. How I can uh, again not let the perfect get in the way of good, but to a point that I'm comfortable. And I think I am chipping away, but I do a bit yeah. challenge. And I think motherhood's going to bring that to me as well because. Um, this little one is not going to be adhering to my briefs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think um, it. This kind of reminds me of a conversation, and and look, I may have shared it here on the podcast before, but around the concept of like personal branding and the way that we show up online. And you know, a lot of the time when I'm working with a client, you know, especially if they are new to business or you know, maybe at a like pivotal point in their business where their personal brand may or may not be shifting. I often hit this barrier around, you know, um, I'm a, I'm very private. I don't want to kind of share that on the internet. And I find it quite interesting because I, I mean, I, I share a lot um, being, uh, you know, I, I do believe that it's part of my neuroconvergence that I'm an oversharer, but what I feel is that I'm able to share to a point and a lot of people will consume my content, whether that be podcast episodes or blog posts or social media posts, but there is that sense of connection or feeling that perhaps they know me when what they actually know about me is quite superficial. But I think that sometimes the way in which I am strategic about sharing points that I know that people will connect with. And for me, it's very much, you know, some of that basic stuff. Like I've got on my about page that in Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. And I regularly get people contacting me saying, oh, I'm an INFJ too. Mm. Or, you know, I've seen that you like dogs or, you know, it's it's never anything that's really super deep or profound or even necessarily vulnerable that actually makes that connection. Yeah. It's just, I guess, a willingness to maybe express myself imperfectly I don't know and I guess the you know as you would know you know in in your career personal branding is such a a completely individual thing and um it may be that that is actually not part of your wheelhouse or what you do or the way that you present yourself at all I guess my purpose behind asking the question is just to, I guess, get you and perhaps some of the audience members who resonate with your statement to think about what what would be different. I like the way you put that, actually expressing yourself imperfectly, because mm. I think it's about the, well, there's one part that's the, the level of content that you're prepared to share with people about your life and, you know, um, whether that's that you let people in wholeheartedly and, and that's mm. every aspect of your life, which is a bit too much for me personally. And me too, to be honest. Yeah. 
I guess even from a security point of view, mm-hmm. just, you know, there are things that I I just want to keep private in my life as you know, lots of do. But then there's that other part of like, okay, we'll find out what you're comfortable sharing and then share that imperfectly. Mm. I like how you put that because it's really funny and I have, again, I have this conversation with Grace because she's always stirring me on to, you know, uh, express more of myself imperfectly. And there are times when I do do it, people love it. Like yeah. Messages and we get, you know, oh, I feel the same way too. And, oh, that's really funny. And and even um, a couple of years, it was 2020 and the local ACT election was on and I got a flyer in the mail and I did a little bit of a, a design um, uh, critique of it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, you know, this is the email logos dropped off, but I like the the photos and it's on brand for the Labor Party, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. And it just went nuts. People were like, oh, I got a flyer in the mail too. Can you do this one? And what do you think? Oh, wow. It snowballed and I ended up um, learning more about local politics than I'd ever learned. (laughs) (laughs) And I ended up interviewing um, for uh, C News, which is now Q News with my friend Bree. Um, I interviewed Tara Jane and um, Greg Floyd and, and about their friendship and, you know, I wrote an article about things and we had a, a running leaderboard of who had the best pamphlet. And oh, my gosh. And it resonated so much with people. And I was like, really? Like we're talking about election pamphlets. But we it started getting really competitive because, you know, people were like, oh, is mine better than so-and-so's? And, and I'd get pictures from people on Instagram about like, or got this in my mailbox, can you um, as part of the thing? And it was just, we'd never received so much engagement on our social media and I felt like I could I could beat myself and I could share my knowledge about printing and, you know, DL versus A4 versus yeah. all the three ways as opposed to two. And it was so nerdy and I loved it. And, and people just loved it to the point where they said, I went and voted today and, I never look at the pull-up banners when I walk in, but I thought of you and and, um, and all this. So I know there is a point, I know it resonates with our audience and I guess the humour, the uh, humorous side of the business that we're known for and, and you know, the, the uh, I guess, audacious kind of copy that we use and the, the sense of humour we have. And I think you're right, it is a balance of working out, like, how much am I allowing these people into my life? Mm. I decide that how imperfect am I prepared to to be to show the real me? And I think that I do show the real me, but I'm also, um, I think I have this, my biggest fear is just people laughing at me and thinking, mm. and especially my industry peers. That is, if another designer thinks that I'm a bit silly, then I just, it's it's so silly to, to think that because, you know, we get nothing but support on our through our clients but I'm like oh but what if people laugh at me what if Mm. and I think that's um why I probably am a little bit guarded in the way that um you know it's I want it to be perfect I'm a perfectionist as well I want it to be the best that it is before it goes out the door yeah I I like I really like how you put that to express ourselves imperfectly Mm. 
And this podcast episode, your first podcast episode, might just be the start. Exactly. Maybe I appreciate the the challenge, as I said before. Then I'll challenge myself and <laughs> my topic trait. <laughs> I love it. So aside from having a baby next week, what else have you got coming up? Um, so I think in the new year we're going to be looking for a new team member. I think awesome. I've spoken to the girls about that and I said, I, I don't know exactly quite what it is yet, but I feel like we're we're destined to grow, which is a really funny thing because when I went into this, just the thought of having a team and mm. managing, you know, I didn't see the destiny of the business being in a bricks and mortar studio with 10 designers and an uh, office manager. I just didn't see that in our future. Mm. And we're, we're seeing a gap in, I guess, our, when we do get busy, we, we see a gap in our capacity that could be filled by someone. And I think that when I get back um, in the new year, we'll start thinking more about that. Um, because now, kind of as we were talking before, I feel more comfortable now letting people into that inner circle yes. and doing things on my behalf, knowing that they have the same, like they've taken all the values of the business and, and the reputation that we have in taking care of our clients. And that's the most important thing for me. Um, you know, it is the next few months ahead will be a big challenge because we're in a space that we've never navigated before. We're, um, you know, we're not principal dependent at this stage. And, and I'm also trying to step, um, not step back, but step further away from running the show or feeling the need to have my finger in every single pie and trust yeah. that they're very, very capable. But I think in the new year, we'll, there are a couple of gaps that I've seen and, and the team could grow. Um, I think as well, uh, in the last couple of months in leading up to my mat leave, I've enjoyed being in a more of an art director position where I'm not on the tools as much. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that, that other team member is going to come in and be on the tools a bit more so I can step back and um, you know, change this colour, move that tight, do it, you know, yes, that concept's good, send it off, send it to the printer, and it'd be more in an art director role of the business, uh, which I, uh, I think has been on the bucket list for a really long time, but yeah. now it's actually looking more realistic with the nature of, uh, I guess, just having a break and stepping back a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that's sort of in the new year. But I think just navigating what um, work looks like in its new form. Mm. Work is always very been very important to me. I I don't define myself by the work I do, but it's very enjoyable for me, and I, I enjoy working. And I found a career that helps me be creative, uh, which I like am to my absolute DNA. Uh, and allows me to get paid for it. So <laughs> I tell you, gee, I can relate to that down to my core. Yeah. Cause I um and I had this chat with Carly the other day, and she was like, I, well, I enjoy working. I get a lot of uh, running my own business and and I I've learned oh, I've learnt, uh, 
you know, in the last six, 12 months, especially for me, I've learned how to set better boundaries about the hours that I work or the, uh, you know, the, the urgency that I take things on and the capacity that we have in the studio to help people. Um, and also the type of work that we want to do, if it's a good fit for us and for the client, you know, it's a two, um, it's mutually beneficial. So those boundaries have been really important to me. Um, but I also want to explore what work looks like for me when I do have to literally keep another human being alive. Yeah. How I share that with my husband, how his work is going to change. So I think um, for both of us, owning our own businesses, we have the privilege of designing a life that uh, works for us and our baby and brings us satisfaction and joy from the work that we do because that's really important to us. It's, we get a lot of uh, a lot of joy out of the work that we do. Mm, I love it. And, you know, I would really love you to come back on the podcast next year once you're back in at work and let's unpack some of that stuff around, you know, what it was like taking a break and leading your team in charge and how you kind of adjust to being back in the workplace too. I think that'd be a really interesting conversation. And, um, you know, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, I would love to talk to you again. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think that's a really important conversation to have too about, uh, and I'm sure that everything you've spoken about today, failure <laughs> brave and doing things that you've never done before and everything like I'm going to be slung into the into the thick of it in I do believe so and I think that um the most research that I've done is asking other small business owners who are mums mm. uh, what did you do how much time did you take off how did you balance your life what support did you get from your partner and demystifying the fact that, um, you know, you have to choose between being a mum and owning a business and going back to work. And, and I think um, I've sort of taken bits and pieces from everyone I've spoken to, but I think it's a really important conversation to have about, you know, what is realistic. Uh, but by being in a creative field, it's... To me, it's a, a brief that I've been given. Yeah. What's the solution to that? And solutions-based work is the crux of what we do in the studio. You know, it doesn't matter what time you're working. It doesn't matter, um, you know, as long as you, you find a solution and you get it done by the, the deadline, I guess. It doesn't matter whether you're working at 11 o'clock at night or 6 o'clock in the morning or you're working from Bali or none of that. So true. <laughs> so I'm sort of seeing it almost as a, a project to say, well, you know, you need to get this job done, but you can't do it at this time. Um, what's the solution? Mm. Um, and creating those opportunities that we were talking about, you know, being more opportunity focused and yeah, focused. And so yeah, I'd really maybe I'll come back and be like, I was completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be very interested in you reporting back. Before we finish up today, though, I would love for you to tell the audience where they can find you if they want to go and check out your beautiful brand and connect with you, maybe continue the conversation. 
Oh, thank you. Um, I think Instagram's a really good place to get a, a quick idea of the work that we do. It's really portfolio based, and you know sometimes we jump on and we do some stories. We talk about the electoral pamphlet. <laughs> um, our website. Uh, so we're on Instagram. We're Oats uh, and Stone Designs. And just our, our website's oathandstone.com.au and that goes into a little bit more detail about, I guess, what we stand for and why we're here doing this work and what we love and, and a bit more about the team. Um, but Instagram, in terms of a visual platform, works really well for us because people can get a really quick uh, idea about the types of people that we work with and for, who we serve and um, the style of work that we do and whether that resonates with them too. That's so great. Trish, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and thank you for giving up so much of your time. This is by far my longest podcast episode here on Graving Business and it has just been such a magical discussion that I know that everyone who listens to it is going to just take so much goodness away. So I really appreciate you doing this even though you have officially commenced your maternity leave. Oh, I'm so busy. Today I made a juice. (laughs) letterbox <laughs> amazing i am very time rich at the moment <laughs> i love it well it was such a pleasure thank you so much and i look thank forward to talking you. to you again thank you thanks for having me thanks so much for listening to this episode of the brave in business podcast don't forget to hit that subscribe button leave me a rating although five stars preferably please and a review. You can also join me over on socials at Pop Your Biz. If you've got a topic you'd love me to address here on the pod, be sure to send me a DM and I'll see you in the next episode.